What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Yourself a Gun, Season 2! We made it all the way to a second season. Yeah, we finally made it to the second season of our Sopranos podcast. This is a podcast where we go through every single episode of The Sopranos and analyze it. Analyze this! We should have called this podcast Analyze This. I feel like that would have been confusing for people, but I see where you're going with that. Yeah, but no one's going to start an Analyze This podcast. That would be ridiculous. Well, that could be our that could be our next venture. Our next venture is just to have the just analyze the same movie over and over again. We'll call it Analyze This. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we go through every single episode, we talk about it, we say uh, what we liked about it, what we disliked about it, and usually, you know, we'll have uh, a guest on, uh, major guests of last season have included LP from uh, Run the Jewels, uh, Felix Biederman from Chapo Trap House, uh, uh, Adam Todd Brown from the Unpopular Opinion Podcast, uh who else was who was a big uh, deal julia had? prescott we had julia prescott yeah. uh we had uh Look, alan seppenwall but yeah but you know what uh you know this is this the first episode of season two we're taking it back to basics it's just gonna be the two of back us back to tonight. basics exactly this is this is what it's all about it's just podcasting with homies just talking about your favorite show that's right and uh before we get started uh i think it is time to play for the first time in season two of this podcast, our theme song. Here you go. Pod. 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 Podcast. Pod. 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 Podcast. 
Yeah. Still funny after all these years. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it hasn't been a year, so I can't say years. Uh, yes, uh, this week we are getting into season two, episode one of The Sopranos. It is uh, titled, Guy Walks Into a Psychiatrist's Office. Now, uh, the uh, synopsis that we have is uh, season two opens with the aftermath of the federal crackdown. Junior's in jail. Melfi refuses to see Tony. Christopher's expanding into new business ventures. Pussy is still missing. And Tony's adjusting to life as the new boss. To complicate matters even more, Tony's free-spirited sister Janice arrives to take care of Livia. That's right. And this episode uh, aired January 16th, 2000, which is yeah. actually... Not the 90s. No, it's not the 90s anymore. It's uh, it's nine months after the last season ended, uh, yep, yep. which I think is probably the shortest... Uh, I haven't you know checked this, but I'm pretty sure that's the shortest uh, season break in Sopranos. Like The last two, I feel like they went on like a two-year hiatus between seasons and then... Uh, I mean... Is that the shortest season break of any prestige TV show ever? Right. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, I, like nowadays, you know, you expect your prestige TV show after, you know, the season is over. You go, all right. So uh, let's see. The next one is, oh, two years from now. Cool. <laughs> right. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And, I mean, and if it's basic cable, you might get a year, but you definitely don't get nine months. That is. Uh, I mean that's a feat, right? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Yeah, the cast has got to go make some bad rom coms, and and then they quickly realize that they aren't getting any roles as good as whatever they had on uh, the HBO show mm-hmm. that they're starring in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know, a lot of the times they'll recast. You know, people will will drop out because they'll be like, ah, oh, I don't need Game of Thrones anymore. I'm gonna be the new uh, fucking Jason Statham. And yeah, that doesn't work out for them. Yeah, I miss new. I miss old Dario. I, I loved old Dario. Old, old Dario was too hot. I, I no was, uh, new. I'm watching. I'm watching this. Uh, you know, Game of Thrones with Francesca. It's her first time going through it. We're at season five, and of course, she noticed that Dario was now some bearded dude yeah he's like the sensitive indie band dario i like the old chromag like probably listen to pantera uh dario yeah 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 like the if you look at all the tattoos on his body one of them might be a swastika (laughs) like (laughs) yeah like yeah arian arian dario was definitely uh, i mean he was hot but he was like Francesca described them as as too hot for TV, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought I thought that was well. Uh, but he's got he's the yeah the queen's got to want to have sex with him. That's the whole point. And by the way, we talk about how George R. R. Martin, you know, is like the godfather of uh, of Game of Thrones and how it all went to yeah, shit sure. after he left. But what sure, we don't sure. talk about enough is how many really good uh, creative decisions that the TV show made. And one of them was not having Dario with like a purple, like with a three cornered goatee. That's all different colors. Oh yeah. Or or also not uh, having uh, Tyrion uh, get his nose cut off, clean (laughs) off. Yeah. I mean, there are things like that where you're like, yeah, it was a good decision just to give him a little scar. Yeah. uh, Because otherwise that'd be a lot of, a lot of makeup every day for that guy. It's, it's just uh it's too much makeup a lot of cg going on it's just not worth it so you know they did make some good decisions sure. and you gotta give credit where credit is due uh db weiss and the other guy you guys did great yeah cb weiss 
Is it CB? No, I don't know. <laughs> it's 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 Hebe Hebe Weiss and GB Weiss. Yeah. Uh, but we're here to talk about The Sopranos. Yes, uh, the other best TV show ever made. That's right. And uh, we're gonna take the way back machine, way back, yeah, nineteen years ago, almost twenty, to January sixteenth, two thousand. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the top song was? I don't. Tell me. Uh, it was "What a Girl Wants" uh, by Christina Aguilera. Wow, what a girl wants, what a girl needs is for her prestige TV show to come back in nine months. Yeah, uh, which uh, just beat out the previous week's number one, which was Smooth by Rob Thomas and wow. Carlos Santana, which is weird. Like, what a girl wants feels like very much a slice of the early 2000s, and Smooth feels like it just came out like last week or something. I don't, I don't know. You're you're freaking crazy, dude. Because like, smooth is one of the most like, it's the most millennium song that I think exists outside of the song "Millennium" by Robbie Williams. I guess you it's know? just it's, that it had like that second meme life. It did. It did have a. It did have a second life on memes. But it is like to me, it is a very dated feeling song, um, and it's also just one of those hit songs that. You listen to it and you can't deny that it's a hit, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's just pleasant. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's like, I mean, uh, it's like a slightly less obnoxious, uh, Maroon 5 song almost. And by the way, yes. um, Carlos Santana has the best job in mu- music because oh, he yeah. just solos else, over other people's songs. <laughs> yeah. Someone else writes a song. He comes in, he plays the same solo that he always plays. Uh, yeah, he doesn't yeah, even yeah. really like all, he's like, what key is it in? All right. And then he just plays the same thing that he plays over every song. And, uh, and he's like, a, he's famous for that. Yeah, he's a master of a blues scale, and he can also do that Spanish-sounding scale. So yeah. learn two scales, ladies and gentlemen. Good for him. Uh, That's why he has his own table at Mama's in North Beach in San Francisco. So You know what? He deserves it. Carlos yeah. Santana is a goddamn national treasure, Vince. All he right? should be able to eat brunch line-free in San Francisco whenever he wants because of those shitty solos. God damn right. First of all, they're not shitty. They're solidly mediocre, but they okay. sound really, really good on a PRS, dude. You get yeah. that Paul Reed Smith guitar and woo, those yeah. fucking pickups. Um, Sounds so, delicious. Yeah. The uh, the top movie uh, was Next Friday. Wow, that yeah. that went to number one, huh? Yeah, well, it was the first week it was out. It didn't make a ton of money, but uh, you know, it was there. Um, headlines. Good for, good for Ice Cube. Yeah, good for him. Headline, I think there was a scene in uh in in Straight Out of Compton where Ice Cube is writing the script for next Friday. I thought he was writing just Friday. Yeah, but I think in the sequel to Straight Out of Compton we'll get a scene of oh. Ice Cube <laughs> <laughs> writing the script. I love how he yeah, that's the most self-aggrandizing biopic I think I've ever seen. But uh, you know, I like Ice Cube, so good I for mean, him. I mean, it was produced by him and uh, you know, you 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 got to credit where credit is due. The guy sure did pivot into a whole other career. Yeah. My favorite thing about Ice Cube is there's this wonderful clip uh, where he is, uh, it's like a live clip that someone taped on their phone. And at the end of a song, he's going, keep it gangster, y'all. Keep it gangster. Keep it gangster, y'all. Keep it gangster. I want to thank you all. I want to thank you. <laughs> <I> wanna... <laughs> it's, just, yeah. it's just, it's the most gangster thing you can do is be polite. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, oh, love him. Look, I'm glad he ca- he cashed in. Um, uh, some other headlines quickly. Uh, Al Gore called out George Bush. Uh, you know they were running for president against each other. Uh, for supporting I remember that the Confederate flag uh, flying over the state house in South Carolina. 
Um, oh. David Letterman uh, was recovering from heart bypass surgery. Damn. Which is pretty amazing that he had heart bypass surgery a full 20 years ago and he's still kicking ass. Uh, yeah. And uh, Israel uh, puts West Bank withdrawal on hold. I think uh, uh, I think that's still on hold. Yeah, I think that hold is still going strong. <laughs> yeah. So but yeah. that's a that's a whole other podcast. We don't have to discuss <laughs> Israeli politics here. Well, you know, the more things change, the more things stay the same. You know, and I think that is a that is I think a good segue into what this episode is about. Yeah. Uh, because this episode starts out with uh the song "A Very Good Year." A song by Frank Sinatra mm-hmm. in which uh, you see kind of a montage of where we're at now with yeah. all of the characters. Yeah, they didn't need to te- they didn't need to do a catching up. Mo- uh, they didn't do like a previously on. So, but they just yeah. had like a montage showing what everybody's doing now. And and it's nice because the montage is it's an interesting thing because it's like what they're doing is pretty much exactly what they were doing. But it was a very good year is kind of I I felt and I don't know if I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, you tell me if I'm uh, going a little uh, off the reservation here. Uh, But like I thought it was their way of being like. They did have, you know, he had a good year in terms of like he is now the, you know, street boss, mm-hmm, uh, you mm-hmm. know, jun- Junior's locked up. His mom is in uh, in like some sort of um, hospital. Uh, yeah. And uh, and yet, you know, with all that going on, uh, he's still sad. <laughs> Tony, Tony's still sad about life. And, and so, you know, Chris Moltisante is like on drugs now, like more so than he was before. Right, right. Uh, you know, Carmela and Tony's marriage is falling apart. Um, I guess Meadow's driving. So she's, she's you know, she, things are looking up for her. Uh-huh. Um, you know what I that, that montage missed was because it had things like, you know, Polly uh, Walnuts uh, fucking a stripper on uh, on like I think a pool table, um, but it didn't have AJ just masturbating in his bed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I felt like you know at that age, yeah, that's what he'd be doing. Yeah, listening to like Slipknot or something. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's corn. But whatever. god damn it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't you fucking touch me? That's Slipknot. So, Bada B stories. Yeah, let's get into all the Bada B stories, dude. Um, so, we've got uh, Tony taking over Junior's crew, Janice as Monkey Wrench. Yeah, uh, she's, the, she's the catfish before that movie, Catfish. She's exactly. the weird one that makes stuff interesting. She's, yeah, yeah, she's the wild card. Yeah. Um, you got Chris's uh, Boiler Room, uh, not unlike the movie Boiler Room. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, Tony trying to make nice with uh, Melfi and the house, the horse. That's Christopher doing heroin. <laughs> yeah. um, and yeah. uh, that's Janice being mad that Tony's trying to sell uh, Livia's and, house. Um, general general thoughts on, on this episode. Uh, um, it is the Sopranos, and I think this is true of all of season two. Um, you know, you see hints of what the sopranos is going to become in season one and it kind of finds its voice really quick quickly but in terms of really establishing what the sopranos does and what it's about this episode i think is the most sopranos that they've been so far and and i mean that in terms of like you've got the scene where pussy big pussy comes out of hiding 
and uh, he invites him in and they're having this conversation uh, in their kitchen about how, you know, he basically ran away and, you know, he was worried about getting whacked for being the rat. And in the background, you can just hear, uh, you can hear, um, what's her name? Uh, Carmela. Uh, Fal- uh, Carmela. Uh, you know, yelling at her children to get up. And then you hear AJ going, I think I'm sick, which is, <laughs> yeah. it's like the mix of family drama and mafia family drama, mm-hmm. just like uh, contrasting is just so Sopranos. And like the, you know, uh, the therapy in this episode is brilliant. It's like, to me, this is, uh, I mean, it's not up there as one of my favorite episodes, but it's really like, okay, The Sopranos is off and running. It right. has its voice. It knows what it does. Was this the most wife-nagging heavy episode that we've seen so far? Because, I mean, it opens It opens with, uh, you know, well, with, with Tony and Big Pussy and Carmela's upstairs. She's kind of... She's kind of yelling at the kids and and nagging, and uh, then and then you know we get uh, what's his name who got whacked. Uh, oh, Jimmy. Uh, Philly. Oh, oh no, no. Oh, Philly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So F- Philly, Philly gets whacked. Philly gets whacked at the beginning because he's been spreading rumors. Uh, well, not rumors. He's been spe- spreading facts about Tony trying to kill his mother. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the first scene with him is is like it, it, he gets in the car and his wife yells uh, if he can get go to the bakery. I think. And he just yeah. like, he like lets out a long sigh and then he drives. <laughs> drives yeah. On. And not only that, uh, then there's also, of course, um, when Big Pussy and Tony go to the basement uh, to talk about, you know, uh, the fact that, you know, he went off the reservation. Um, he uh, you hear Carmela yelling, you know, can you bring up some waters? And like, <laughs> yeah. just like like yelling at at Tony and Pussy to do chores and not only that you also have um Pussy explaining why he never told his wife because he fucking hates his wife and yeah, at he one calls point, her a twat yeah he calls her a twat and then at one point in the party scene uh in order to break the tension which is it's one of my favorite moments uh in this episode um tony is just pissed off about something that janice has done you know taking away the for sale sign on the house and and he's just like in in kind of pecking order mode where anyone says anything to him he's just gonna yell at them because he's the boss um it's that it's this mode he gets in when he's emasculated he's like okay i have to take this out on someone so he just randomly goes up to uh big pussy and he goes you fucking moron and then big pussy looks over and goes Oh, hey, is that my wife over there? Oh, no, it's just a St. Bernard in the yard. And uh, and everyone laughs, and Tony, it breaks the ice, uh, the tension, and he goes, you fucking moron, in that like, was, this uh, kind of sweet It was way. a strange moment. I have a clip of that. I, like, I don't know. The uh, like I had to rewind that twice, I guess, just because the, the cadence was off, and uh, I couldn't tell, like, why. I mean, yeah, your explanation. Why he shit on why, his wife? Yeah, yeah, like where, like where he pulled that one from, where he's like, "Hey, uh, people are messing with me. I gotta, I, I gotta, I gotta lighten the mood here by calling my wife a dog." <laughs> so I, I, I do have a clip of that. Yeah, yeah. The fuck you doing? Second seat and coming up. Fucking moron. Oh, look at my wife over there. No wait, Tone. The neighbor St. Bernard is on your property. 
<laughs> You're a fucking moron. Anyway, we flew first class. Like, I don't. I guess. I guess it, maybe it was because he like didn't wait long enough for the punchline. Also, I didn't quite get the uh, second seating coming up, and then Tony's like calls him a moron. Yeah, I I didn't get second seating either. Um, if you do understand that, please uh, email us Patreon uh, or sorry, uh, frockcast at gmail. I mean, I get what he's saying. He's saying like he's you know he's he's cooking seconds, but it was just. Like the, I don't know. I, ca- I, I'm not sure what makes him a fucking moron for saying that. Right. Like um, the, 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 the syntax of that was odd, like in that context. Yeah. But what I love about that moment is that it shows number one, just kind of like how angry Tony is and how he needs to, when he's feeling emasculated, especially, or feels out of control, he needs to take it out on, uh, you know, the people, his subordinates, right? right. All the people below him. And it also shows that Big Pussy has this kind of masterful way of like shifting the conversation back into like he's 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 kind of a he's good at playing Tony. He's good at like yeah. taking Tony and being like, all right, I understand that Tony's mad at me for no fucking reason. So I'm going to shit on my wife. And yeah, I, uh, wife, my nagging wife, wife uh, my wife, nagging wife as scapegoat is definitely a theme of this. Oh, yes. Of this episode. Um, and uh, we also, uh, yeah. you know, on that subject, we can't forget uh, Carmela's parents. This is the first. Uh, oh, yes. This is also the first appearance of Carmela's parents is uh, is in this episode, and uh, we first see her, her father who's who's drinking a scotch and has like a or a whiskey or something, and he's got a cigarette in in between his fingers as he's holding uh, his his uh, whiskey glass. And the first scene is just her mom giving him like a dirty look for smoking and drinking and then just proceeds to like henpeck him for the next three or four minutes. Yeah. I do have a, I have a, I have a clip of that as well. Do it. You go to the market, pick up a couple cans of pears. Canned pears, not fresh. That's the secret to my pound cake. And get some bussing and gold while you're there. Pairs. You want the doll? I'm not even going to answer this time. There is a new market dead down on Pompton. <laughs> I'm not even going to answer this time. <laughs> yeah, she's a marvelous uh, character, and so is Hugh. Uh, the DeAngelis's are some of my favorite Sopranos, like periphery characters. Yeah. That. They don't show up nearly enough. Uh, There's more of them as the series goes on, but like just the relationship between the the mother and father there uh, is just so funny because Hugh is, he's this very like, he's, it's not an old fashioned like, you know, uh, relationship in a way. I mean, it's like, it's very clear who wears the pants. And in fact, Wearing the pants is another theme in this uh, in this that kind of ties into the nagging wife thing because uh, um, at one point uh, Janice goes outside to uh, sneak a cigarette uh, or to smoke a cigarette and then Tony goes out to meet him and uh, to meet her and then sneaks uh, a hit off of it and then she's like oh I guess we know who wears the pants and yeah. so it's like. There is this like theme of like male emasculation by their significant others. Oh, just being and- hen. I mean, it feels almost uh, a little sexist in the writing because everyone's being like henpecked by their their wife uh, in this episode or yeah, mother. It's 
Yeah, right. A wife, mother, or therapist. I mean, it's just like any any woman in this really like you know is is definitely written in a way that is uh, yeah I would say uh, low key sexist, and I think nothing distills it more than the scene with uh, Chrissy and uh, and his uh, girlfriend. Uh, what is it? What's Adriana? Yeah. Adriana, yeah. Uh, it's hey, it's been a year since we've done this podcast, <laughs> and by a year I mean three weeks. Um, yeah, in which they just have uh, an all-out hitting fight uh, in front of Matthew Bevilacqua and uh, what's his name, uh, Sean Sean something. Yeah, uh, the guy who played uh, the guy the guy who was in a Bronx Tale. Yeah, yeah. Matthew Bevilacqua is the guy who's in a Bronx Tale, and uh, the other one is Sean Gismati, who yeah. it's uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Yeah. The, the other guy, w- I thought that was yeah. Casper Van Dien. He's just a guy who really looks like an Italian version of Casper Van Dien. Y- you're talking about uh, the Sean Gismati character? Yeah, the guy who looks like, yeah. he looks like the guy from Starship Troopers. He's got that same, like, yes, you know, yes, the same yes. kind of, like, your 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 face is almost too chiseled to put in a show about real people. Right, 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 completely. Yeah, um, and I think we should get into what the entire Matthew Matthew Bevilacqua and Sean Gismati storyline is. Yeah, that's like, and, a, in terms of mob, mob uh, plots, uh, mob, like, rackets, I really enjoyed this one. I guess it's just because I, I enjoy the idea of, like, pump and dump uh, schemes and uh, just the idea yeah. that they got these, you know, people work. I mean, I guess the, the idea is that uh, Christopher, who has hired an Asian guy to take his Series 7 uh, exam, and th- that's the first, that's the opening shot. Um, yeah, which is, like, so unnecessarily <laughs> racist. <laughs> like, But I feel like that's exactly how the how Christopher would do it. It's like, oh, of course he's going to pass. This is Asian. Yeah, yeah. I, but uh, there's, 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 there's that thing with The Sopranos where uh, some of it is like, is this racist because the character's racist or is this just a racist choice they made? <laughs> right. Because I can't imagine that there are um, a lot of mobbed up Asian dudes, you know, uh, in in kind of the well, I don't area. I don't think the guy has to be mobbed up. It's just a guy that Christopher offered a bunch of money to take his exam for, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah, maybe so. A, a, a part of me was like, yeah, but you could have got someone, I don't know, it seemed to me like, uh, you know, uh, in order to make sure that they know it's not Chris Maltesante, we'll make it an Asian guy, because they're smart. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, oh boy, that is, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah so, the, so the idea so, is that he's the mm-hmm. SEC the SEC compliance officer, is that what he is? And so he's basically... Yeah. Uh, running this boiler room, uh, like not not necessarily in title, but uh, yeah. you know in practice, and so he's having all these guys push uh, their favorite stocks. Webistics, yeah, web webistics. We're pushing webistics over here, which is hey. a, which is a great like Silicon Valley, which is a great like it's it's definitely from the the first tech bubble era. Yes, the 2000s. Yeah, webistics. Like, what does it do? I don't know. It's on the web. Let's uh, pump it up. Um, and uh, yeah, and I have a clip of... Uh, they catch a guy who's not pushing their uh, preferred stock, 
And, yes. and he just goes and just dumps coffee on his back, which is Yeah, great. it's right after Chris leaves for the day because he's bored just sitting in an office. Which, by the way, I love that, that for Chris, like what is kind of like boring ass work to him is just like what he imagines a desk job is is you just sit in an office all day <laughs> yeah and 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 it's just so funny because it's like no like people like work and stuff in their offices <laughs> yeah but that's the whole thing like the whole dream of being in the mafia is like you're allowed to sit somewhere and just collect a paycheck yeah and, and couldn't he have like worked on a script in there or maybe got into gaming i could see christopher like getting into gaming and being in his office dude just doing if some... chris were around in 2019 he would for sure have not only a podcast but he would have like a twitch stream he would try <laughs> to be an influencer for sure he would definitely have spent a lot of money on a gaming chair Yes, yes, he would. He'd be a gaming chair guy for sure. Okay, so here's the here's the little bit of the boiler room assault, as I like to call it. It's very sound company. Mm-hmm. All right, so you're gonna want to make that check out. Data purchase would be the day. Whether you want to go for uh, growth or value, yeah, you know we've got hundreds of mutual funds. Supposed to push with Bistics. I I was just giving them alternatives. Shit. Bistics is our pick of the week. Why? It's got a three million float. The competition's robust, and their technology's two years behind. Your stock's a dog. Hey, stop that! Hey, I'm still the manager here. This is unacceptable. Where's Moltisanti? I'm gonna make a call. You think I don't know who really runs this operation, huh? Get back in your fucking office. Uh, I, I like that because th- this guy's just con- this poor guy's obviously just confused about like why. Right. Like instead of just telling them why they're pushing Webistics, he'd probably you know if they actually like brought him in on the scheme, he'd probably be like, oh, okay. That makes sense. I see why you guys are doing that. But instead, they just throw coffee in his face and beat the shit out of him. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Is it's it's they stand out like sore thumbs in this kind of like you know white collar job where they're like, listen, all we really know is like kicking people's asses. And and what's weird is like it does seem like uh, Matthew Bevilacqua actually does have some background in this. Uh, he has like a, a not not in like yeah obviously in beating people's asses but also in like stock fraud like it, it, he was talking to uh, Chris uh, later uh, in the episode where he was basically trying to explain um, you know like kind the of scheme. explain to him the this the scheme because like yeah. Chris has no fucking idea what's going on because he's a fucking moron and he's a junkie. Uh, not that junkies can't be smart. Some of us, you know, it just takes a while. Not but, all, uh, hashtag it, not all junkies. Hashtag not all junkies. Um, but yeah, like he uh, he seems to be like a semi-smart guy, but he, they're also, they, they're to me a distillation of what like literally everyone else is in this show in terms of like all of the mobsters are really just playing mafia. Right. And they're, they're the things that they're doing, you know, the, the tough guy thing is like, it's just what they're doing, what they think you would do if you were in a movie but right. it just it's it stands out you know when there's no fucking 
Rolling Stones give me shelter playing in the background when you're beating some stockbroker's ass. <laughs> yeah. It just it looks like a bit of an overreaction. Right. So when they're just mobbing on that dude, it is so funny because yeah. you're like this is so over the top. And another thing that I really like about that setting is be, is that you know they're all playing mafia and all these all these like finance Wall Street type guys they're all just playing Wall Street too so it's like yeah, that's everyone's true. sort of play acting and then the other thing that I like about it is that you know to do the thing where you're pushing stocks you're basically just kind of like a glorified mafia guy as it is and so like True. the juxtaposition of like these uh you know these wall street guys who probably talk like they're all tough guys in their off office hour uh, in their off hours and you know you stick like a real mob guy in there and it's just uh just this nice uh just this nice mix of things yeah 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 it's it's pretty wonderful and just like introducing us it's the best way to introduce us to these two fucking clowns because they uh will pop in and out of uh season two in a way that is just so funny like they are the two biggest jerk offs in you know in the show uh and it's the best way to introduce them it's just right. uh you know fucking clowns when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And a little uh, bit of a little bit of background here. This is my favorite piece of uh, trivia, probably from this uh, episode. Do it. Is that uh, Matt Bevilacqua, who is played by uh, Lillo Broncato Jr., who is in yeah. a Bronx Tale. He just has that face that looks like a young mafia guy, and I think uh, he does. He, he looks a, a lot like uh, Robert De Niro. He's got an authentic Guido face, I guess. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so. Uh, so he was actually in jail between 2005 and 2013. He was uh, oh, a wow. drug addict. And in December 2005, Brancato was uh, charged with second-degree murder for his role in a burglary in the Bronx, New York, in which an off-duty police officer uh, confronted two burglars and was killed in a shootout. Brancato was oh, subsequently acquitted of murder, but was convicted of first-degree attempted burglary and sentenced to 10 years in prison. God damn. So he got out in what eight? Uh, yes. Ah, well, good for him. I hope he's turned his life around because uh, that's uh, you know, second degree murder is uh, that's a pretty big bottom for a drug addict. You know, yeah, mine was can... when someone called my parents. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I well, you uh, dodged I a bullet get... there. Literally. I did, I did. Yeah, unfortunately for that off-duty cop, not so lucky. Oh, that's not nice. Maybe I'll cut that out. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah yeah well, there's, uh, there's like a lot of material for a listicle on uh you know actors playing criminals in uh hbo in, prestige series that actually turned out to be uh criminals later 
Yeah, I think uh, I remember when Snoop uh, from uh, The Wire was arrested for something. Right. And I was like, oh, yeah, that uh, that character did seem very real. <laughs> yeah, she you know, a little too authentic. Yeah, like very authentic, very authentic. I uh, hope Snoop is doing well, too, because she is uh, by far one of the greatest characters on that show. Oh, and that is one of the in, greatest in cable history. Made. And and I kind of wish I watched the Breaking Bad movie this past week. And Oh, uh, I still haven't. I always wish that they got actual tweakers to play Jesse Pinkman's friends because, boy, yeah. they really felt like Law & Order episode tweakers. And uh, they would if they had like a, some sort of Snoop or uh, Matt Bevilacqua in those roles, boy, so that would have been a lot better. Did, did you, you did watch uh, the movie or you did Yes, I did. Oh, okay. And uh, no good, huh? I mean, I was, it was all right. I was trying not to fall asleep the whole time. It's just, it's like, we don't need... We don't need to know what happened to Jesse Pinkman after Breaking Bad. Like, we could have guessed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what's kept me from watching it is like, I, I you know, it was such a perfect ending to that show. And uh, why why sully it with uh, right. some, you know, dumb movie? Right. Uh, so, but going, sp- speaking going, of which, I'm very, okay, very excited about seeing, uh, uh, about seeing Newark uh, starring um, uh, James <laughs> Gandolfini's son. Yes. But that's a prequel, so it won't ruin it. All right? So, shut up. Yeah, well, you know, if Be- Better Call Saul is arguably, well, not arguably, I think it's better than Breaking Bad. So, you know, Damn. there's two there's two ways to go. You can go either way on that one. But really I wanted can. to go back to uh, Big Pussy. I think there's a lot of foreshadowing because at this point in the show, we don't know that Big Pussy is a snitch. But I really feel like if you read... Spoiler between... alert, bro! Damn! Yeah, but if you read between the lines on this episode, I really yeah. think you can guess because... His explanation for why he was gone makes no sense at all. Yeah, it really doesn't, and and it, it does take uh, it takes a lot of giving him the benefit of the doubt, which is hard to do if he just like went away for that long. Yeah. You know, it it is strange to me that this was, but you know, they checked up on it. They checked up on his story, and and Paulie said it all checks out. So, I think in the end, like Tony did want to give him the benefit of the doubt. But okay. what what is what what yeah. is his explanation? Yeah, here we go. Oh, sorry, wrong wrong clip. Fuck. Nope, wrong clip again. Idiot. Here we go. It was abroad, Tony. It was complicated. My back was for shit. You know that. I don't want to fucking hear any more about your back. That's how we met this fucking spondylolisthesis. That's why I was popping <laughs> Percocets like freaking juju beads. <laughs> Anyway, so my doctor, he prescribes this clinic. That's another good uh, malapropism is juju beads. Uh, yeah, juju beads and then also spiliolysis. Yeah, I don't even know what he's saying there. I, yeah, I have no idea, but I know it's wrong. Clinic for me in Puerto Rico. I didn't exactly object, Tony. Give him the fucking vibes around here. Go ahead. Check. Well, you don't tell your wife you're in the hospital? That twat brought on most of this. How? Listen. <laughs> Down there, I met this girl, 26, an acupuncturist. It was the only thing that fucking really helped with my sciatic nerve. Anyway, one thing led to another. You can't send one feeler to me. I'm going to trust you, Paulie. Take the word of a degenerate cop over me. Tony, who are you talking to down there? Mom, meatloaf. (laughs) Um, just the I, I idea, the idea love... that he he went to Puerto Rico and he met an acupuncturist on the beach. Like, what the hell kind of story is that? 
Yeah, and not only that, but it's 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 kind of genius in the way he's able to once again like kind of like play Tony, you know, uh, manipulate him in this way because he knows him, you know, probably better than anyone. They're best friends. And he's just like, listen, Tony, I know it's weird that I was gone for a long time when you guys thought I was a snitch. That being said, here's a very reasonable explanation. (laughs) Titties. 26-year-old titties. Puerto Rican titties. And she know how to use the acupuncture needles, if you know what I mean. And and I, I love it. He just kind of is just, that's it. That's the whole thing. And, and then he's just like, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> like, yeah. And Tony's we, whole thing is like, you should have said something. I would have, if you, all you had to do was say titties. And I'd have been like, okay. Yeah. And I think we do get a good explanation of why Tony buys this uh, later in the episode in the St. Bernard scene, because it's like, okay, he needs Big Pussy because he's sort of like an integral part of this crew. And he loves him. And, you know, he's he's uh, he loves him and he wants to believe him. And, you know, for all they know, they already got the, the rat. They got Jimmy. So it's just kind of one of those things where you know he's giving him the benefit of the doubt because he really feels like you know he has to because he loves the guy and and that is you know part of like the attraction you know to these characters on the show is like their very human reaction to things and like you know them wanting to wanting to put f- their friendship you know thinking their friendship matters thinking that uh, it's it's not all just uh, you know dollars and cents that there's like some soul there uh, right. And yeah, it's 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 lovely. Um, all right, can we talk yeah. about Janice? Because uh, you know this is her oh, first episode. And my God, yeah, she's a wonderful character, played by Ada Tur- just... Turturro, who's uh, John Turturro's sister, of course. Uh, yeah, and you know, f- I would say for the most part, uh, anytime there is a family of actors, uh, I say go fuck yourselves, get a different job. You know, some of us uh, are trying to eat out here, and uh, our parents were librarians and shit, but. Uh, <laughs> I got to say just it's one of the best written characters on TV and it is one of the most well acted characters. I feel this character so viscerally yeah. that I if I ever saw Ada Totoro in real life, I would be like, "Oh god, I got to get away. I got to get away." <laughs> because yeah. I don't know about you, but I have a friend exactly like Janice. I oh, have a friend I feel like every family has at least one Janice. Yeah, but this this person isn't in my family, but in a way it feels like they are because I've known this person for so long. And she's one of those people who just pops up in my life every once in a while and basically asks me for money. Yeah. And and a lot of times without ever explicitly asking me for money, but there's always a con. There's always something An angle. That they always she got wants. an angle. They always got an angle. And it's just one of she's one of those people who I'm like, I've considered multiple times in my life, like what I need to do is open a bank account and just put $5,000 in there and just wait. Because eventually, <laughs> after years and years of like, basically asking me for either money or some sort of you know uh like hinting at like i need your help for you know these things and then of course i've you know i've i've given her all sorts of things in my life to try to like help her out and it's always it's always a clusterfuck because it's always i i didn't do the right thing or i didn't do it correctly and i've always you know makes me feel bad for like 
wanting to help and then for helping in the wrong way. And I just need to have $5,000 ready because I know someday she's going to be like, Matt, I know I haven't heard from you in a long time. Give me five thousand dollars, and I'll be like, "Here you go." And it's kind of like this. It's kind of like when, years. A, when a homeless person comes up and they gotta give you like the big elaborate story. And I'm always like, "Yeah, here's five dollars. Leave me alone because yeah. like I don't want to hear the story about how you ran out of gas and your yeah, mother needs a, a ride to the hospital." It's like I'm giving you money so that I don't have to hear this bullshit story. I love it when they they have like uh, they they have their hand out and they like shake your hand and you, you're you, like my instinct when someone has their hand out to shake it I just do yeah and then I feel their hand and I'm like oh man this is a rough hand for someone who <laughs> doesn't look that old and then they'll be like uh, so I bet you're wondering why I'm wearing these pants <laughs> so and then you're just like this is gonna be a whole thing yeah. isn't it. Yeah. Like, you've practiced this story and I don't want to watch you uh, do this monologue yet again. I know because it's like a sales pitch and it's like and I feel bad and, uh, you know, I'd rather just give you the money. Yes. I'd rather just like. No, I'm uh, paying you to keep to save me from having to hear this story. Please, please take the money and just don't you don't have to give me the pitch. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Janice shows up uh, in stunning fashion. Out of the blue. So the, just... they call her Parvati like twice before you understand what the fuck they're talking about. Yes, Aunt Parvati. Yeah. And and uh, and yeah, and they quickly go back to Janice. In fact, she uh, at one point, um, Carmela's talking to her mother and she says the line, oh, Parvati. So what is she, a cheese now? <laughs> and they go, actually, the, uh, Parvati is a Hindu god. And it's like, oh, good for her. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and funny. my favorite thing about Janice is not just Janice, but the way that Tony reacts to Janice. Because yes, I mean, I feel I don't know. I'm sure it's similar for Jews, but uh, that's Go a on. very Italian thing where where you're just like, ugh. Here's my pain in the ass sister. And then you do the martyr thing where you're like, yes, of course she can stay in the house, even though like you know it's gonna go bad. And, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's true. I, I imagine that's true with most families. I mean, I don't know, maybe not waspy families or something, but like, I would say that like, uh, that is the trouble with family is in general is that you are stuck with these people. They're your blood. And, and, and sometimes it's true with friends, like the friend that I have, where right. it's like, uh, you know, if this person that I'm talking about ever needed anything, I, for some strange reason, you feel just through time and, and yes. sometimes blood that you feel obligated to them. There's like a because... grandfather clause with friendships. Like there's people that I don't want to yes. invite to my wedding who I'm just like, uh, well, I've just known them so long that I got to invite them kind of thing, you know? Yes. You've known me for long enough, Vince. You have to invite me to your wedding. <laughs> yeah. All right. I don't want to have this discussion anymore. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's it's a thing, and and just the way he reacts to her is it's uh, it just kind of shows his commitment to his family and the fact that he knows, you know, even though he knows full well he's being played, um, you know, he he's gonna still give the benefit of the doubt. Um, but there's there's yeah. also an element of martyrdom there too, where he's oh like, definitely like he's almost go, uh, bending over backwards to uh be nice to her because he knows it's gonna go bad because then he can say that he was the good one later yeah 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 that's true i mean the, the martyrs run in the family they run in the sopranos family yeah i mean i, I, I don't just... know that just seems like a very italian thing because i feel like i've seen that 
so many times yes. in my own family. Um, and then just the way that she's written, they they like they give her so much backstory with like just a couple lines here and there. Uh, oh yeah, where Tony asks, he's like, "Oh, what's uh, what happened with uh, Adolf?" And she's like, "Oh, you mean Rolf? Rolf went back to Andorra." <laughs> <laughs> and just like like all you need to know is to, to, you get from looking at her and hearing her fake name, Pravati. Yeah. It's like, you know everything about her. She was a free spirit hippie chick who left the family, uh, left uh, Tony and her sister in the lurch to deal with Livia and all of her bullshit. And, uh, you know, is is just working on all sorts of, like, you know, schemes, uh, get-rich-quick schemes and the like. Like, uh, the greatest thing ever is when she leaves the party early because she has to uh, has a meeting to get funding for her video. You don't know what the video is. You just know that whatever it is is going to be a failure. And And do you you feel like... Do you And when she said video, like, it wasn't music video. Like, she's clearly doing some sort of art installation. Yes. Um, Yeah, that, that... I I feel like they tried deliberately to style her exactly like Joan Osborne. I feel like Joan Osborne was oh, their, their inspiration for Janice. Because like Janice yeah. looks exactly like Joan Osborne in the What If God Was One of Us video. Like it's the, the totally. same like nose ring, same like curly hair. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's totally right. And it and it fits really well uh with the um even though it's in the two thousands, the still very nineties themes of the show. Yeah. Uh which I think you should play the theme song for. Oh jeez. Do it. Play the theme. It's the nineties. Parents are supposed to discuss sex with their children. It's the nineties. It's it's the nineties. Nineties. Hell yeah. So um, there's there's a few that I'm just going to bust through real quick. Number one, there's uh, the first uh, time that they ever uh, acknowledge the existence of Analyze This. Right. Um, I have that clip. So I feel like you don't have to, but I don't want to bust through this one quick, quick because I feel like this is exactly like the South Park episode where they rip on Family Guy because yes. like they're so tired of being compared uh, to Family Guy that they have to like shit on it. Yeah. And this is a... Yeah, yeah. No, totally. Here here you go. Who's from childhood kick in? Older sister. That should be obvious enough. Yeah, but those feelings are starting to bleed into my business. And what sort of business are you in? Commercial and non-purchasable waste. <sighs> Mr... What does he say there? Non-purchasable? Purchasable. Oh, what? What is that? Not Purchasable. Uh, oh, Purchase. Okay. To buy. All right. Waste you can't buy. Why would you want to buy waste? It's waste. I don't know. It sounds like a fake job. (laughs) Spears, I watch the news like everyone else. I know who you are. And I saw Analyze This. I don't need the ramifications that could arise from treating someone like yourself. Analyze This? Yeah. Come on, it's a fucking comedy. I'm not taking new patients right now. <laughs> Come on. Uh, the show isn't analyzed this. Fuck you. How dare you compare us? Yeah, no, they're definitely doing that a bit. Uh and I mean, I don't know. They, uh, there's also a way they're tipping their hat to them a little bit because they're like, what are you talking about? That's a comedy. This is a serious drama, but they know very well that this is like a comedy. And, and you it's, know? it's a meta joke. Like they're even doing a joke while he says it. 
Yeah, I I fucking love it. Um, so yeah, there's a mention of analyze this. There is uh, at one point uh, they call uh, Sean and Matthew. Uh, they call them Chippendale, and yeah. I feel like feel like so you either got Chippendales, uh, the you know hot dancers, right. or the, I, that's what or I thought the it was the first time I heard it, and then the ne- the second time I realized they're talking about the chipmunks, or the yeah or, yeah. Yeah, so they're talking about the Rescue Rangers, which I love. Uh, then uh, there's uh, another point at which uh, there's the first mention of hacking, which they think is, is what is that called? Cracking? And they go, mm-hmm. it's called hacking. And then. Which was uh, a new oh, thing. Like, oh, hacking. What? Oh, ha- hacking computers. Um, and then uh, also in the boiler room, there is a. Uh, everyone's on Gateway Computers, which is very 90s. Uh, and I think there is a, um, a poster for Gateway, which that's uh, a 90s computer brand, you know? Sure. Um, and then finally, uh, we get one of the funniest things ever is the scene with Janice where she first comes and she talks about like being in Seattle and. Meadows says, oh, your life is so cool. You know, uh, what's it like living in Seattle? And then Tony goes, you know, if I ever catch you in those grunge pants. <laughs> and then Meadow says, how do you stay so hip? And says it sarcastically and ironically. And to me, and I don't know if this will continue in this, you know, viewing of of the show. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like the beginning of the end of It's the 90s. It's like the first yeah. time they're realizing that times are changing, you know, and that like I mean it, like, that's so dated. I didn't I don't even really know what grunge pants are. Are they just like ripped jeans? Ripped jeans, yeah. Those are grunge pants. Yeah. I I, I wore grunge pants in the 90s, dude, as a, as like a, a fucking fifth grader. I was yeah. a uh I was a grunge pants kid. And now we're I going get... more into like, hey, we don't wear grunge pants anymore. Now we wear Janko pants that are wider than our shoes at the bottom. Yeah, I know. Now you can fit a whole skateboard in your shorts. <laughs> uh, yeah, but like uh, it is, yeah, it is It is interesting and it's sad to see it go. But I think eventually uh, it's the 90s is going to be over. But I think we'll we'll wait till September 11th for that to happen. Yeah, I think that yeah, was that's, the true that's, death of the 90s. That's the day the 90s died. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Janice's character in the show uh, being introduced like this, just uh, an absolute wrecking ball, just uh, a snake oil salesman (laughs) and uh, a charlatan. And she's just she's just wonderful because you see the gears working in her head and and they they do it in this way that it doesn't feel too obvious. I mean, you know, she's like you know vying for something but you're not sure and you and it's not until she takes down the for sale sign on the house that you go oh she's trying to steal the house somehow and uh it's uh it's just beautiful because you know she's she's a total wild card and this whole well, season she's a she's a vagabond and she doesn't like the yeah. idea of not having a mother's house to eventually impose upon once one of right. her once one of her schemes yeah. goes sideways yeah, that's that's the whole thing. I mean, it's the safety net. It's like uh, this the, this character that I think would play just as well today as it as it would back then, which is that you know all of your kids are you know making less money than you are, and uh, you know they kind of count on you. Uh, you know, bequeathing them a house in order to survive. And right, some... and it's kind of like the entire hippie phenomenon 
in general. Like the hippie yeah. generation doesn't really happen without parents who have you know money that they can you know you don't go like drive around the country in a van unless uh, you know you have some sort of stable family right. money to fall back on. Right, exactly. It's uh, it's really great. I mean, she just. Her character is, for me, one of the most triggering characters in the show. <laughs> just, like, one of the realest depictions of, like, just an absolute leech that that you get on TV. Like, you know, uh, Father Phil uh, said this Yiddish word in last season a couple of times where he was talking about schnora. Yeah. Uh, you think I'm a schnora. And, uh, and... There's no bigger schnorr than uh, Janice. I mean, right. she is, you know, if she smells hot food, she's going to try to eat some of it, you know? And it's perfect because, you know, Tony's Tony's a leech, too. He's just leeching off, like, all the people that he, uh, you know, he uh, extorts money from. Like, that's what yeah, they've but, been taught. Yeah. And so Janice that, is like That's this, true. She's this mix of a mob upbringing with, like, a mother who's, like, a who's toxic and manipulative. And she's, like, yeah. a perfect mix. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's like they both have the same level of entitlement. Just one uses it to uh, further himself financially in kind of more grandiose ways, uh, both like power and respect. And the other one does it just in the same way kind of a bum does it, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, she's like someone... a new agey, new agey extortionist. Yeah, and, and she's so beautifully written in terms of her ability to use kind of like liberal catchphrases and like <laughs> new age new age phrases uh, in order to uh, emotionally manipulate the person into like believing that she might have a heart, you right. know, behind behind all of her schemes as someone who just wants to help, like talking to their sister um uh you know she's telling janice just leave this alone don't worry about the house and all that and then she's like hey i'm not worried you know but she has rights you know just <laughs> yeah <laughs> like she gives a fuck about the rights of her mother it is just so wonderfully depicted that like that level of manipulation right yeah um, some questions I had about this episode. Uh, sure. You know, Smoke on the Water is playing during Tony's, uh, his his like little episode where he crashes the car. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know if that was supposed to be like, oh, where there's like there's smoke on the water, like there's a fire, they, like where there's smoke, there's fire. Like this is kind of sure. like foreshadowing like a greater mental breakdown. I don't know if that was a, a thing. Um, yeah. Um, also, this is more just, I don't know if this is a criticism or a plot hole or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I didn't really understand why the psychi psychiatrist like let him into the office, let him start talking about his problems, and only after he uh, asked Tony what he does for a living does he reveal like, hey, I know who you are and I don't want to treat you. Like, like he's taking yeah. his money and he knows who he is, but he lets him stay for like half a session anyway. So maybe he wants to... Uh just out of morbid curiosity is like, I don't, uh, you know, I don't want to treat this guy, but I would love to get a meeting with Tony Soprano. <laughs> yeah. uh, it also could be, and I think this is less likely that he called up and said, my name is Mr. Spears. And well, yeah, just, there's that. But then he showed up and then he could see who the guy was. Right. And not only that, but also like, 
you'd really have to watch the news a lot. You'd have to be keeping up with with like mob blogs in order to know what Tony Soprano yeah. looked like. Like Tony was pretty well Bob, insulated. Mob laws, mob blog. Yeah, Bob blah blah's mob blog, mob blog. <laughs> uh, you'd have to read Bob blah blah's uh, mob, mob blog in order to like actually know what Tony Soprano looks like. So, uh, or he could have just you know been someone who's racist and was like oh this guy's italian he's talking about working in waste management uh he's probably mobbed up so yeah i I, I don't know it could have been a plot hole uh but or it could have just been a way to get a nice analyze this i think it was like like there's a couple moments when there's like one one line of dialogue too many and it kind of messes up the flow i think that's one of them because obviously we had to get to him uh you know finding out what tony does and throwing him out but like the fact that they put all the tony his therapy his actual therapy in there kind of messes with the flow same thing with the the uh saint bernard thing where yeah right yeah i mean i i thought what they were going for there because i hadn't seen the scene in a while and i think what i remember from it was not knowing who he was talking to at first being tricked into thinking he's back in the office with melfi yeah um and then kind of the reverse shot of oh it's a totally different therapist um so like maybe that's why they they yeah, played that a little yeah they wanted bit that misdirect yeah. yeah they wanted a nice little misdirection there um so in terms of uh i think it's time for malapropism corner right yeah. uh uh, and Malapropism Corner, uh, the only one that I got, uh, was, uh, when Tony says, oh, now they Dwayne to set foot in our house. Yeah, I got, I got the clip for that. My parents are coming. Oh, really? What, now that the dragon lady's gone, they'll Dwayne to set foot in our house? She said some horrible... <laughs> I like she reacts that the only, the only way you can react is that you just ignore that it happened and keep going. Yeah, I like to think also that Carmela doesn't know that That's he said right. Dwayne instead of Dane. Um, yeah, that that is pretty great. Um, in terms of Gabba Vafan Ghoul, um, uh, th- there was a few I noticed. One was Skifu's. Uh, yeah. where at one point he just goes, you fucking skifus. Actually, before I get there, uh, I've noticed something uh, in the show. They love The Godfather, right? Like, yes. they talk about it all the time. Right. Um, but Sill almost exclusively knows quotes from Godfather 3. And <laughs> Was that all from Godfather 3 tonight? Everything except for the, uh, where he goes, uh, you know, is it true, Michael? No. You fucking skifus. But that one's from Godfather 1. But both the just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. And also our true enemy has yet to reveal himself. That is also Godfather 3. <laughs> so it's just weird to me how many quotable lines that Syl knows from Godfather 3. And and how, you know, for because they know it's bad. It's like one of the right. worst movies ever. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so he calls uh, her a fucking skifus, um, which uh, I don't know. Have you done a definition search? Disgusting, on that? loathsome, lousy, crappy, stinking, filthy, rotten. Uh, it's Italian American yeah. slang for schifoso. Schifoso. 
Uh, yeah, so a great word that we will use constantly in the show. Another one. Uh, actually, uh, that, with, that was one that was in my, like, I knew what that word was before The Sopranos, because I, I did hear schifoso and, uh, yeah. Oh, look at in that. my family, hey, I think you... they would say schifoso. I don't know if that's like a northern way to say it. Uh, yeah, who knows? But I, I, fancy, I heard that one Fancy before. northern Italians. Yeah. Um, the other one was bukiak, which is mm-hmm. uh, a word that they get into later um, in in uh, not in this season. I think it's in season three, or maybe it's this one, where um, uh, Chris is on set uh, doing a movie with Sandra Bernhardt and uh, um, and that other stand up comic lady whose name I'm forgetting. Um, you know, the one with the like dark hair from the '90s. Everyone loved her. Um, Janine Garofalo? I don't know. Janine Garofalo. That's okay. the one. You got it. Yeah. Uh, and, it's and they use the like, word... You don't, you don't even need bukyak. to know uh, the what it actually means, because bukyak, it just sounds like just on a level of uh just the consonants? way it sounds yeah, yeah like it's it's got those harsh consonants it, like it sounds as harsh as cunt and so of course it means cunt it means cunt yeah and uh and, and in this uh, you know episode uh, they just kind of throw it aside they say bukyak and i was like oh i know that one from this show later on uh so that was a good one did you catch any gababafangul uh, I think there was uh just the one with the the basil where they call it uh basinagul that's ju- that's just basil. Yeah, it's like Italian. Yeah, for, like basilico, basinagul. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, yeah. that is an interesting gababafangul, basinagul. You fucking skifus! Oh, uh, sorry. I just like I really like calling people skifus. I'm gonna start doing yeah, it now. You should. Yeah. All in all, I have to say, uh, this episode just gets me so psyched for more episodes of Sopranos in season two. Um, a lot of great characters are going to be introduced. A lot of amazing storylines will uh, be introduced and then come to an abrupt end. Uh, no spoilers, but I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, I imagine you've seen the show. Um, so yeah, what did you think? Like the episode? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a setup, a good setup episode. Very good setup episode. Yeah. And if you enjoyed this episode of Pod Yourself a Gun, please tell us by going to uh, frotcast at gmail.com and uh, email us. Tell us what you liked. You know, if you noticed that we were wrong about anything, please email us anytime. We love your emails. And Vince, what's the Google Voice number? Thank you guys so much for listening. I had a great time. Vince, did you have a good time? I had a great time. Can't wait for our next episode with an amazing guest. Who knows who it will be? Because it could be anyone. It could, could be, be Killer Mike. It could be you. It won't be <laughs> Killer Mike. It'll probably be you. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everyone. And until next time, don't stop believing. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.